I'm Stephen Downey and you're very welcome to episode 18 of the Mindful Living Guide. In this week's episode I have the pleasure of chatting to a good friend of mine, uh, Karen Dwyer, who is well known for her MS to Success program and uh, also appears many times on TV on the Elaine show as well as many, many media uh, coverages. Today I, I talked to Karen about her journey and we, we focus a lot about um, what life was like uh, when she first was diagnosed. We also talk about the hospital appointment uh, that she got the surprise of her life when the doctors told her that she had reached what's called burnout, a term uh, in MS when the legions have literally left the body. We also talk about the difference that Karen's programs have made to other people who live with MS at the moment. And uh, it's a beautiful episode and uh, we get a bit emotional at, at times in it because um, it's making a big difference to, to people. And it's, uh, it's a lovely episode. I'm really delighted to have Karen on the show and uh, I really thank her for her time and her honesty in, uh, in the conversation we have. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode of The Mindful Living Guide. So you're very welcome to this week's episode of the Mindful Living Guide. As I was saying, I'm talking to Karen Dwyer. Karen is a an MS coach, a neuro coach, a speaker, the founder of MS to Success, the author of the amazing Gratitude Attitude Journal. You may even know, uh, recognize Karen's voice from being on the TV. She's a, a regular panelist on the Elaine Show, and she uses an MS. Diagno- no, MS diagnosis as a catalyst for a positive, healthy life. Karen Dwyer, you are so, so welcome to the Mindful Living Guide. Oh, thanks for having me, Stephen. It's a real pleasure to be here and chatting to you. Thank you. I, I forgot to say something very important in the introduction. Karen is also a really good friend of mine and we've met only, geez, it, it's, it must be just over a year and a half ago or so. We were both uh, speaking at an event in uh, Mayo but it was like two people that have known each other all their life. And uh, we just had this great connection. So I'm really excited to have Karen on the show just to just to talk about her own life experience and about the difference, especially the difference gratitude has made. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know you already, Karen, can you give me an, an introduction about yourself? Sure. Thank you. And that's so bizarre, by the way, that you say it's only a year and a half ago. I'm like, take that back. We know each other years. <laughs> It's mad, isn't it? We have that connection with someone. It's gorgeous. Um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm Karen Dwyer. I'm born and bred in Dublin. And I suppose, you know, I, I'm I'm a mom to two incredible daughters. And I suppose the thing that I'm most well known for is overcoming MS. And the thing underneath that that I suppose made the biggest difference for me. And and sometimes, oh, do you know, really sometimes I'm embarrassed saying it because I, I worry that people kind of roll their eyes and say, how oh, would you go away out of that? Do you know? And, and certainly when I did overcome the disease, I, I was really scared to say it out loud because I thought, oh, God, what if what if someone doesn't believe me? Or what if God, what if I didn't hear that right? Or what? You know, just there was so many what ifs because it was I hadn't really heard that much about something like that before. But really, and you picked up on it, is that 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 practice of gratitude is really one of the biggest catalysts for me 
that turned so much of my life around that I didn't really realize I had so much going on underneath until I started practicing. Yeah, we, being grateful. Well, do you mind if we go back just before the diagnosis, before you had you you were in hospital and you knew about these lesions coming and about the type of person you were before them and yeah. what and what led up to the, 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 getting that diagnosis originally? Yeah, sure. So I I like I had a, a really successful career. I was working in radio stations. And before that, I was managing luxury retail, one of the biggest retailers in Ireland. And I, I was really motivated. You know, my my career was my identity, you know, and I, you know, I liked wearing the high heels and, you know, I loved managing a team and, you know, having nights out and going to meet clients. And I just I was full of the joys of life and really active and you know, out there all the time, like nothing was ever an issue, you know, everything, um, just flowed. everything just flowed. And look, it wasn't without its, you know, it wasn't without its, you know, everyday life stuff. You know, I suppose if I go back a little bit further again, when I was 23, I took part in a Channel 4 program and I thought that was going to be the thing that was going to have me, you know, have that yellow brick road in front of me because I've always been entrepreneurial. God, since I was, I think at my first job, at 15 and super value in Malahide. And, you know, within six months, I was managing the off license on a Sunday, like I think at age 16, probably serving my friends, but we won't talk about that too much. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was always very driven. Um, and I, I like to think that, you know, if someone says no to me, I nearly use that as a, come on and I'll find a way. You know, nothing is impossible. Everything... Challenge. Is possible. Yeah. And, and I like to, I suppose, look at things from a different angle. And I, I don't like to take no easily because I do always think there's a way. I think everyone can find a way no matter what it is. And I suppose that's been with me since I was a teenager. Um, but, you know, age 23, getting accepted into this business program. So there wasn't reality TV or anything back in the day. So there was no dragon's den or any of those things. So I had a business. I actually had two business plans. One was a cancer prevention um, machine that I wanted to bring to Australia and um, another one then was a kids product um, total total opposite side of the spectrum and anyway I applied for this program and I, I got through 4,000 people um, with a friend of mine in the UK and without you know laboring the story too much I really thought this was going to be the thing that I would get to realize my business and entrepreneurial dreams and I had a, I had a six-month-old then as well so it was you know there was a lot of big life changes and god when I look back now I think at the time I thought I knew it all I thought I you know I know what I'm doing and I you know I can manage this and nothing is an issue nothing is a problem but my goodness and you know when you look back and things like Mother's Day having happened recently and you look back and I think I was only a baby I was only a baby and part of me, like my heart nearly breaks a little bit because I look back and think, Jesus, you thought you knew it all and you hadn't a clue, <laughs> you know. Um, but God, when I, you know, you look back and you can really, I suppose, acknowledge the strength and maybe a little bit of naivety or maybe a lot of naivety more so than than strength. But yeah, I mean, I, I got kicked out of the company on the cusp of signing a 14 million pound deal with Tesco's. And Stephen, that really that that really knocked my confidence and I suppose how do you pick yourself up from something like that I don't know I I, I mean 
I ignored it. I right. pushed it down, you know, like you, you see, and I'm sure we've all seen it of people in our lives. You see something happen to someone and they're in denial Yeah. and you're looking at them and, and you know, they have that smile that like, I'm fine. I'm grand. And it's like, keep going. I'd say I was like that for maybe three or four years. I just kept going and going and going. And it's, and it's interesting because I think I kept going until I had another child. And then I found out that my company that I had 25% shareholding in was sold for 44 million. And so I think that, it was only loss, then. then. There's that, and not, I don't mean financial loss, but I mean emotional loss that you feel like that was my golden road. That was the, the yellow brick road that was going to bring you in places, but it's someone else's now. Yeah. Do, do you know what was really interesting is because of course there was anger there when I heard that, but actually the bigger emotion that was there, I was so ashamed and embarrassed that I didn't stand up for myself. And now I was a mom to two kids at this point and I felt really stupid and really taken advantage of and vulnerable. And it was a really, really horrible thing to sit with. And then I was a mom to a second child at that point as well. So it was like, you've got a surge of hormones. <laughs> you've got yeah. absolute exhaustion. And then on top of it, you've got this. And it was like, I was stripped. It was like, I was stripped bare. And it's no coincidence. I was diagnosed with MS not much longer after that. Wow. And you yeah. tell us about how, how that diagnosis came about. Do you know what? I, I found it hard to differentiate, Stephen, between the tiredness of being a new mom, the emotions of, you know, I, I was in a, a new enough relationship. So you're trying to keep a relationship alive, <laughs> manage yourself and your own existence, um, look after a brand new baby. And then I had a child from a previous relationship. So my heart, you know, I would need to make sure that she's OK and doesn't feel left out. And then a career and, you know, what do I do with this? It was like, it was like my world was spinning and I, it was like Dorothy, you know, in the Wizard of Oz, when the house lifts up, that's what it felt like. <laughs> and I didn't have any ruby red slippers on at the time either. But um, my, that my own self and how I felt, I didn't feel right for a while. And I was questioning whether it was uh, postnatal depression, whether it was just exhaustion or whether I just needed to get on with it and suck it up. Because, you know, you see all these, you know, moms out there and you see social media and you see all of these people that seem to be doing an amazing job. And I felt like I was just failing. I, I really felt like I was trying to keep up. And there was mornings I just didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to get dressed. I didn't want to speak to anyone. And so I found myself, you know, in between my daughter's naps just sitting and eating anything that I could. And I suppose eating away my emotions. And then the, the knock of this, uh, you know, oh, Karen, why did you never do anything about that Channel 4 thing? I heard it was sold in a multi-million pound deal. It was like, oh, you're having a laugh. So not a few weeks later on, I started getting numbness in, my, in two of my fingers on my right hand. And it started growing then up my forearm. And so I thought, you know what? I, I've health insurance, I'll go get this checked. So I, I drove myself to the hospital and uh, there was a really hot doctor called Dr. O'Sheen. He was so nice and so kind. And he, and he said, look, unless it's something sinister, you know, you probably just slept on your arm funny. Sure, go on off home. And he could probably see that I was looking at him and I, I wasn't convinced. You know, I was like, oh, you know, with that good instinct of like, 
but no, I just, I don't know. But anyway, he was like, no, look at home and we'll bring you back in for an outpatient MRI. And uh, yeah, before it got to the appointment, I realized that my entire right-hand side of my body was numb when I was trying to blow dry my hair and I couldn't feel the heat. Mm. Yeah, so I packed a bag. Uh, I knew I was going to be kept in. And I drove myself to the hospital again. And they sent me straight down for an MRI this time. And um, yeah, I, was, I remember being really claustrophobic. So I asked for like some kind of relaxant. And I remember being wheeled down in a wheelchair. And I remember thinking, oh, there's, 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 something, there's something not right here. And of course, you know, Dr. Google and WebMD and you start looking up these symptoms and MS came up. And I remember thinking in that wheelchair, is this what I'm destined for? And is this yeah. something that you've ever known about or like it's something have you had you ever like had MS ever come across your your psyche? Have you ever thought about it before that? No, I, I, and being really honest, I was really ignorant to what it was. I mm. didn't know what it was. The only vision that I had of MS was somebody in a wheelchair. That's the only thing that I had. And I remember my uh, my childhood neighbor across the road I remember their granny been in a wheelchair that's all that I thought of I didn't know anything else so it was scary yeah 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 so I came back up from that MRI and I remember looking at the clock thinking god it's 10 to 5 and I wonder will the doctor still be there will I be sent home or you know will I be kept in and they wheeled me back into a different place they didn't wheel me back into the kind of triage part they wheeled me into a little private room and I thought shit yeah. And then I noticed that my gown that I had on was matching the curtain in the little room. So I had a little giggle to myself. <laughs> the personality is still there. <laughs> yeah. So the doctor came in and said, uh, the number of lesions on your brain would be normal for an 80 year old. And what? I was 31. Yeah. And I had one really big one lit up on my spine on the left hand side. And that's what was giving me the numbness on the right hand side so all anybody that's in into their science will understand that I didn't at the time so I asked of course straight away you know is it MS and he went how do you know that and of course I lift up my phone he's like well look we can't determine it 100% until you have a lumbar puncture until we test the spine the proteins in your spinal fluid and um, but we're going to keep you in we're going to put you on an IV of steroids you know is there anyone that you want to call or want us to call I was like no thanks um so it, it, it's mad. It's mad in that moment that something kicks in and something takes over. A survival mode. Yeah. And, and I can only describe it as it was like this fierce lioness or something came up and it was like, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be OK. And, you know, what was really mad is that, I, of course, I had fear, but I also had relief. Because at least I had a name now to put on something. At least I knew what I was dealing with. And it wasn't, I wasn't going mad. And it wasn't all of those things that I was questioning myself around. Now, you know, I actually was validated that there's something actually going on. And now I can deal with it. But the mad thing was, is that all the Channel 4 stuff came back up in that moment. And I had this like, do you know what? I didn't stand up for myself before. I didn't take charge before. And this time I'm going to. And I'm going to overcome this. Yeah. I'm a big yeah. believer in things happen for a reason. And totally. I think when something like that comes up, it's it's there for a reason. And 
there's obviously there's strength within you that you gained from that other experience that really has helped you in this. And I, I don't want to labor over when you when you weren't well or anything like that, because there's such an amazing story after this um, mm. and and a survival from it. Um, so can you tell us about the, the following few years and, and how it changed for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so look, you know, it wasn't, I know I say, you know, this lioness and this energy, oh my God, it wasn't there all the time. You know? course, I definitely, I, I had it in that moment, but do you know, I, I found myself slipping into, I'm fine, you know, because I didn't want anyone to worry about me. And, you know, I'd gone from this really great career into, I felt like this massive big sticker had been put on my forehead of MS. And it was this kind of internal fight of, hang on, I've been given this new identity, but I don't want it. But also I need to deal with it. And I, I didn't know. I thought sometimes if I accept it, well, then that means I'm giving into it or I'm giving up or I'm then allowing it to happen. So instead, you know, I kind of went the opposite way and was in denial and making sure that everybody thought I was okay, so they wouldn't look at me differently. And that went on for a while. And when I tell you that that ran me ragged, because it was like putting on a show the whole time. And that zapped every bit of energy from me because people would say, well, can I help you? Can I support you? No, 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 I'm fine. I've got this. Don't worry about me. And actually that was like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It made me more tired and more sick. Because you're, you're pushing it aside. You're not, you're not actually dealing with the emotions as well that come out from that. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, as much as I said, I'm going to overcome this. I didn't necessarily embrace it. It was into autopilot mode of, right, tell me what to do. And I wanted to know everything. Tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. But unfortunately, and fortunately for me, it was an inside job mm-hmm. that I had to embrace and stop and slow down. So the next few years were spent in and out of hospital and I'd many different complications from a swelling on my brain to I had to go into intensive care to try some new medication. I collapsed driving on the M50. And it got to a point where my career was still going upwards and I was doing great and work got the best of me. You know, in work, I was, oh, I was so committed to being treated the same and having even better results. So I tried even harder. I worked even harder to make sure that this wasn't going to affect me, you know. But on the other side of that, you know, the yin and the yang, my health was taken a knock my relationships were taken a knock and my confidence even though on the outside it looked like I was doing fine I mean in fact I was doing great but internally I was petrified you know at night I couldn't sleep because it was like waiting for this enemy to attack what next and every little twinge that I got in my body every bit of tiredness it was the running dialogue of is this ms and so then you're googling what's an ms symptom and then all of these horror stories come up and you know i i'd like to think i'm quite good at you know law of attraction and manifesting so you know if i see something i nearly make it happen in my head you know (laughs) so that was uh that was an interesting dance of uh emotions and symptoms and effects for quite a few years but interestingly enough it wasn't until i had another kind of major life breakdown I suppose when there was a relationship breakup that caused me to really look at how much I could influence my own health and my own well-being because I was waiting for a fix 
I was relying on somebody else to tell me what to do. Just tell me and I'll do it because I had it in my head that I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. I don't know any better. And other people are more intelligent, more powerful and more up to speed on what's going on with me than I am myself. And that that's a real loss of power, you know? Yeah. And so after this relationship breakdown, it was like, hang on a second. I, I can actually really influence my own self and I can be really, I'm not going to say responsible because that nearly makes it sound like, you know, I was doing something wrong and I wasn't, but I, I didn't realize how much I could actually affect change for myself. Mm-hmm. And so I made a promise to myself and I actually have it in my journal beside me. I wrote down one day that I was going to overcome MS and I was going to help other people with MS too. It's just amazing to, to set that intention that this is where I'm going to go. And even just write the, the, the simple thing of writing down on paper. It's so powerful. Yeah, it really is. But you know what I wrote before that, Stephen? And I'm glad I remember this. And thanks for saying that. I wrote down before uh, at the top of the page was I'm going to make myself happy. Yeah, because I realized I wasn't. I was I was surviving just to get on with it, just to bring my kids to school, just to to keep fighting. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I I didn't have to fight anymore because I I had, you know, the fight of the Channel 4 thing. I had the fight of, you know, trying to make a relationship work, the fight of I'm not good enough, the fight of I must do better. And all of a sudden I realized, actually, I'm just not happy. And what is actually, what is the fight? There is no fight. And I can look after me and I can really influence myself. And so the next year I spent committed to first of all, making myself happy and trying to discover what that was because I forgot what it was. And the, the, the reason that I realized that I wasn't happy was because I was asked the three things that I was grateful for. And I couldn't think of anything. And I remember feeling this immense guilt because I remember thinking I should be guilty or I should be grateful for having my kids. But right now I just, I can't connect. And that scared the living daylights out of me. And it was like a, it was like a light bulb of, oh God, I didn't realize how desperately unhappy and sad that I am. But how did you change that? How did you make that initial start? Was it just purely from practicing gratitude? Or because I, I always talk on the on the podcast about it's never this big magic silver bullet that just makes everything perfect. It's a gradual process all the way through. Yeah. So, it, and you know what? It, yeah, and it's a really good question. Um it, it was definitely the gratitude was the catalyst and writing it down and making the commitment every day. And look, even though I've published my gratitude attitude journal, I don't feel like practicing gratitude every day. Some days I really don't want to. You know, because sometimes you don't want to feel grateful or sometimes you might wake up and like be pissed off or tired or whatever. And it's like, oh, I don't want to be grateful. <laughs> and in fact, it is the catalyst for priming your brain and priming your body and your energetic centers to look out for things to be grateful for. So I made that commitment. And as I started practicing gratitude, you know, I'd write down things like I'm grateful for uh, being alive. And I'm grateful for my kids and I'm grateful. And they were very, they're grand. But then as I started writing more, 
I noticed that throughout my day, I'd see something and go, ah, I'm going to write that in my journal tomorrow. Or I'd see something else and go, oh, I'm like going to write that. It opens your eyes and your peripheral vision to everything else that's happening uh, in her life. Yeah. Well, you know, I heard the saying, and I, can't, I, I don't know if it's Jim Rohn that said it or somebody else. I can't remember. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Absolutely. And it really was that for me. And so it gave me that gateway to start looking at everything that I did have to be grateful for. So, you know, instead of, you know, oh God, I have this or this is going on. It was like, I just turned it into a polar opposite. And I actually surprised myself saying things like, well, you know, cause I was back living with my mom with two kids going to school. I was on an invalidity pension at this point, my career gone, my identity of self gone because I was supposed to be looking after my health. When I say supposed to be, you know, I, I gave myself this responsibility of looking after my health and I didn't know what to do. But all of a sudden, now that I was practicing gratitude, it was like, I can stop making myself wrong. I can remove the pressure. I can remove the fight. And actually I have a say on where I want to send my energy and attention and what I want to focus on. Um, so yeah, that's why, you know, I, I, I very often when I say, talk about the power of gratitude and talks, you know, I can see, you know, the proverbial eye roll of, oh, Jesus, you know, yeah. It's, oh, it's, great. That's I think it's very important to say that indeed. it's not just gratitude that uh, cured the DMS. There was obviously, there was a health side as well. You, you started becoming a lot healthier, exercising a lot more things as well, wasn't it? Of course. Yeah. So, you know, I suppose that, that that decision to make myself happy, I realized that I wasn't eating, you know, any foods that were nourishing or even live, you know, they were processed stuff. And I still eat processed food, by the way. I'm like, I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm not an evangelist yeah. um, on that type of stuff. However, you know, I got to see that I really wasn't giving myself any time and I was spending a lot of time looking after everyone else and making sure that everybody else is looked after and putting myself at the end of that list. And in other words, I was being a martyr, yeah. being a complete martyr, you know, and then getting resentful of, oh, look, other people are doing great and poor me. And it was like, <laughs> come on, you know, get real, get real with what you are and you aren't doing for yourself. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. it, it was really hard to take a really honest look at myself because I didn't want to look. And, you know, I went back and, and cleaned up you know, that anchor that I had around the Channel 4 thing, I actually took on a high court case with them and pursued it. Um, and, you know, I really got complete with the relationships that uh, I wasn't OK with, that I was still holding some anger around. And that it took something, Stephen, and it wasn't pleasant at the time. So I'm not going to say it was all roses and gorgeous and gratitude and fabulous and just eat right and skip in a meadow. It wasn't. It was taking a really hard insightful look at myself and really uh seeing how I wasn't showing up for myself yeah and I remember hearing you talk about this before on stage and about that when you looked in the mirror you you weren't happy with who you were hmm. yeah I really wasn't I really really wasn't and you know I found myself like gossiping and just getting annoyed like I didn't even want to go out and meet my friends because I thought I had nothing to contribute I'd put on weight from eating and I just became a recluse yeah and yeah. and even just how I was like the words I'd say I just wasn't pleasant to be around and I used 
my MS as an excuse. You know, it was like having the goal card that I could pull out at any time in any situation. You know, if I didn't want to do something or if I wanted, you know, to lie in bed or lie, whatever. And don't get me wrong. There was days when I needed to. I really yeah. needed that. But there was I'm certainly times to where. Totally. Listen, I, you know, there was times when I really needed to rest and do something. It's not making anything wrong around that, but I, I used my MS to my advantage more times than I could have, you know, more times than I would have liked to have. And that was pretty hard to see. It was pretty hard to see, um, you know, not going to friends' birthdays or not going to anything else was like, no, I don't want to. So I'll just say, oh, no, I'm not feeling well or anything else. And that does actually have an effect because then you've got people worrying about you unnecessarily when actually I just was an artist, you know. So and it's it's really, really important for me to say that it's not to make anyone wrong if they don't feel like doing something. That's fine. But my own experience of myself, I just wasn't living with any integrity. Yeah. Yeah, I really wasn't. And I certainly wasn't asking for support when I needed it. I had this thing in my head of I'll deal with it by myself. Yeah. You know, you don't understand me. So I'll, I'll just do it by myself. And then I got I resented people then because they didn't help me. But then I wouldn't let them. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, a self- it's a circle of prophecy then, you know, it really yeah. is. If, if yeah. you go forward then about when you've been practicing all this gratitude, you've been you've been looking after your health, you've been exercising, you've been building yourself up from the inside out and a few years later, you you suddenly you go to a doctor's appointment and you get the most unexpected news you've ever received. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was on my way to my neurologist uh, to get the results of an MRI and, to, you know, to get my checkup. And he asks me what I've been doing. And I'm looking at him waiting for like, oh, God, is this bad news or is it good news? And and I tell him and I list everything and he says, okay, well, whatever you're doing, keep doing. And I thought, okay, like, is, is this good or is this bad? He says, no, you, you've, you've had burnout. So, you know, keep, keep up the great work. I was like, like, am I in remission? We don't use that word. Am I cured? No, we don't use that word. I'm like, oh, give me a word. He said, no, burnout. Sometimes in, in people in their fifties or sixties, the disease can naturally fizzle out and leave the body. And you've had that. So you actually, you can come back to me if you want, but you know, you don't need to, I definitely don't need to see you for a year or two. So these legions that were present before had shrank. All shrunk. All shrunk. Yeah. Yeah. I left Blackrock Clinic that day and I went out to my car. I actually dropped my phone when I got into the car because I was trying to ring people and I was shaking and I was crying and I couldn't even see my phone. I dropped it. I smashed my phone. I got into the car and I managed like to ring my family and I'm like, snots and tears crying down the phone and then I'm saying the words I'm like Jesus did I get that right like is that true is that possible because you know I'd heard things about Terry Walls and I'd you know I'd heard some stories but like me you know I just I found it really shocking and of course you know massive celebration but I didn't know what to say to people like I'd never heard those words burn out before and you, it's not what you expect either when you when you think of that uh, about MS that it's not something like obviously you hadn't heard the words before and, and, and that type of diagnosis but you, you think it's a permanent part of you then and it's like a, I, I'm sure there was even a loss there that oh I've I don't have that part of me anymore and you you use that like over the years then to like 
to build yourself up in so many different ways. And I think you've gained a, a lot from what you learned from that as well. That'd be yeah, right. Completely. And it's really interesting saying you had to give up stuff. I ended up back in a uh, hospital. So I, I was getting treatment in, in another hospital and then I'd get a review in a different one. And I went back in for a completely separate procedure, like a, a uh, anyway, complete, I won't bore you with the details. But anyway, they took out my hospital file for this day procedure. And it was probably about four inches thick. And the receptionist says, oh, I'll get you a new folder because this is too thick or I'll get you a new file. And I remember in that moment going, no, no, because I want people to see what I've been through. I don't, I want to be able to walk into that doctor and he sees, oh, you know, you've gone through that. And it was a real moment of, I have to give up being sick now because I'm well and I don't have to carry around these wounds anymore that I can start afresh. And so getting that new hospital file and the sticker put on, there was definitely a part of me going, oh, okay, right. Well, I'm just, you know, somebody else now. And I really did have to give that up. And that went off into storage. So it was a real kind of stepping stone into give up that. of identity there. And I've talked about this on the podcast before about when we have these self-beliefs and the and this, this system. And, and you've been working on this for so long in your life that it's it's a loss of identity and you're I, I, even um but two weeks ago after we had uh darren cawley on the on the, on the uh, podcast who was a um kidney recipient and he had to change his whole life and his whole attitude and his identity as well in that way so the identity now that you've um brought into yourself and and built is an unbelievable coach who has been helping so many people from your own experience mm. yeah and it it was uncomfortable, I have to tell you, at first, because it was like, well, what do I do with this now? And I didn't go straight into that. I, you know, I got that news and I thought, oh, my God, amazing. I'm I'm coming off an invalidity pension. I'm going back to work. And I had to apply to come off that invalidity pension. They said, we, we don't get people coming off this because it's, you know, something for life. It's not means tested. You know, there's lots of different kind of uh, supplementary benefits to it. And I had to apply to come off it. So. I came off that benefit, which, you know, I, I remember everyone saying to me, oh, God, Karen, you want to do this? That's, you know, that's, you know, money that you can rely on. I can't tell you, sure you want to do this? What if you get sick again? Oh, my God. So I had all of these voices around me with care and with love, might I add. But then this kind of core belief of, no, I, I know that I'm good and I, I feel amazing. I know that whatever. So I went and got a job rolling out a massive finance company, you know, big job back into, you know, doing what, you know, my old identity was. And within six months, I was like, what the hell am I doing? I published the gratitude journal at this point, And I started getting calls from people because I don't know, I probably did something in the media. I can't remember exactly what. And I'd spend my lunch breaks and my evenings with people ringing me saying, I have MS, can you help me? And I'd spend three or four hours on the phone because Stephen, my heart would go out because it would take me back to when I was at my darkest point and really suffering. And so, of course, I hear, you know, someone at the end of the phone and I want to tell them everything. And I got to the point where I was shooing my kids away in the kitchen while I was trying to cook dinner and talking to somebody and then realizing the next day, damn it, I forgot to tell them this. And I'd ring them back and it'd be another hour on the phone. And I was like, I, I, I need to do something with this. Like I need to, it was like screaming at me. You can't have done this and then not do something with it. It was like getting a gift and not unwrapping it. So I went back and re-qualified as a coach. I've probably spent a couple of hundred grand on training 
in so many different things because honestly I was thinking you know I had so many things of who am I to tell anyone what to do and and I had all these fears of what if someone thinks I'm condescending or that they think that I'm better than them because I've done this like and, and I had all of this internal dialogue going on and I thought how am I going to do it in such a way that I can total imposter syndrome and so then I I I started running programs on zoom back before zoom you know (laughs) back before it became you know popular vocabulary Mm -hmm. and um I started running the programs and the results oh Stephen I still to this day at the end of every program I bawl my eyes out with everyone because it just blows me away that people take them take themselves on and realize their own influence and realize their own power and are up for doing the internal work and oh I get emotional I think about it because it's like it takes something you know oh Karen I can see the emotion in you right now but the difference that makes and it's and it's coming up that you were really stepping into your light about where you, and it, it's a lot of responsibility to kind of say that uh, I've been given this opportunity. I've been given this, this power to, to, to help people. And it's also very important to say that the people that come onto your program, that they, um, they're embracing it themselves, that they're showing up for themselves. And not everyone's journey is the same. Um, not everyone's journey is going, is going to have the same results. It's not going to, but it's about, just embracing yourself and giving yourself every bit of help you can. Totally, totally. Yeah. And do you know what the, the interesting thing is? So I'm not in the business of curing anyone, by the way. It's really important for me to say that. And that's not what I promise or anything else. But what I do stand for is, and what I do make a commitment to, is using MS as a positive catalyst for change in people's lives. And you know, when people come to me, and I think that the reason that I get so moved about it is that when somebody's dealing with something like MS and they make the commitment to themselves to really step into their own influence and power, I just get so moved by that. I get so moved that somebody is willing to take themselves on and put them through a program like that because it really does require courage to face what's going on and to stop not to stop anything but to just to make that commitment to look after yourself because it can be a hard and a scary place to be you know so I get really moved by that but the the really important thing for me is and I think this is where I'd I'd, I'd like to think that I do things differently um is that I listen to them as possibility I don't listen I don't treat MS I treat the person and the human being and inside of them getting themselves and their power and transforming everything in their lives their health seems to get looked after. Yeah. And that's because it's not just, we treat the disease, it's kind of diminishing the person as a whole. And so, you know, in any of my programs, it's like I treat the psychological and the physiological and the physical side of things, because in my opinion, like healing is not linear. Yeah. You can't just eat the right thing and, and exercise. And I get so many people, you know, wanting to come to me and say, oh, just give me the diet and give me the exercise. And it's no integrity for me to do that. I've got to make sure that this is an inside job and that I ignite or help the person ignite for themselves their own power because everybody has their own answer. I don't have the answer. Each individual does, but I just work with them and hold their hands so that they see that for themselves and they hear their own answer. And it's just magic and such a privilege to see. Allowing them to step into their own power. 
It's amazing. Yeah. Karen, there's a question that I have to ask you. I ask every single guest on this podcast, and I think it, it probably has special meaning for the, the people that you deal with as well. And if I say the words mindful living to you, what does that mean in your life and in your journey? Yeah, brilliant question. For me, it would be conscious of yourself and who you are for yourself before who you are for anyone else and that relatedness that you have with yourself. So being connected to who you are and actually taking the time to honor that and value that and then go and be a contribution to other people. But it's, it's really about connecting in with yourself first. What a beautiful, beautiful answer. And if we can, if there was tips that you could give people that are listening today and um, just just how to start, you know, where to show up for themselves. And we're not even talking about just people with MS, because I remember listening to you, the most powerful line um, I've, I've probably ever heard from you um, when you talked was you asked the audience, what's your MS? What's what's your your reason that you're not showing up for yourself? Um, so what what tips would you give to people how to start showing up for themselves where to, where to start from yeah that's really great I suppose the answer I'd give to that is we all spend our lives doing a lot of people pleasing and making sure that everybody else is looked after and it's really simple that if you're saying yes to something what are you saying no to so if you kind of have that little I'm not sure, or you find yourself tired, you find yourself exhausted, whatever it might be, just as you're going through life, if you're saying yes to something, what are you saying no to? And just to be conscious of that, because it's too easy to look after everyone else before ourselves. And, and that for me is always a magic question. Karen, that is such a beautiful way to put it. And I, I could honestly sit here and talk to you all day long. And um, unfortunately, our, our, our show has to come to an end. But if people want to contact you, um, what's what's the best place for them to contact you? Yeah, I would say KarenDwyer.com is being launched in the next couple of weeks. Uh, or they'll find me on, on Instagram. I am Karen Dwyer or find me on Facebook. Or the Elaine Show. Or the Elaine Show. Yeah, God, where I tend to embarrass myself, but show up authentically. <laughs> Which is so important. Karen, I'll, I'll make sure that all those uh, details come on the show notes. And uh, I have to say, thank you so much. It's been great to chat to you, to catch up. And uh, I'm looking forward to promise each other a walk when COVID and everything is, is lifted and we can have a good chat. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And I really absolutely appreciate you coming on today and talking about your story. And I know that there's someone out there that, is listening to this probably today and it might be a catalyst for them to show for themselves no matter what walk of life or whatever is happening for them at the moment so karen dwyer thank you so much for coming on the mindful living guide thank you for having me Stephen. i really appreciate it so there we have this week's episode with karen dwyer it um it was a pleasure chatting to karen and i always learn so much from karen's attitude and karen's um just determination in life and um, she really is determined to make a difference in people's lives and uh, it's inspirational i also have to thank karen for an unbelievable uh birthday party uh last saturday um it was my first ever zoom party to attend karen had a, a significant birthday and uh, a lot of us uh were in a, a zoom bingo 
I was very lucky to have my wife beside me because uh, I didn't get many. It was all about music and uh, I didn't get many of the songs, but uh, Amanda was fantastic at catching them straight away. And uh, we even managed to win a prize or two. So uh, thank you, Karen, for that. And um, a very, very big happy birthday to you thank you so much as always um please follow and share the episode as as much as you can you never know who might be uh, listening to the episode they may get some help from it so i really really appreciate it uh we are also on insight timer Uh, you can find uh, my meditations there and you'll also see my live uh uh, sunday group uh, at eight o'clock on sunday Uh, we do a live meditation practice and uh, you're more than welcome to join any sunday if you look up insight timer slash live you'll see it or if you look up insight timer forward slash stephen downey uh, you'll find my page and you can follow and you'll get notifications whenever i go live as well so listen thank you so much for listening again this is stephen downey and this has been the mindful living guide